Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in Center Court, Winner's Circle Network, and uh, we're going to talk recruiting. And uh, I always joke with Ralph about how many stars he would have been in 1979 when he was looking at, or, you know, 78, 79, when he was being recruited by Virginia and um, it would have been interesting to read all the all the takes on Ralph you know all the all the scouts who were saying and when you went to the NBA and before the draft your game was pretty much broken down right yeah yeah I mean you gotta think about it so 1979 with the first Bill Cronauer recruiting book that yeah was, everybody listed and I was Wayne Sampson not Ralph Sampson everything just messed up <laughs> So nobody knew who I was my first, you know, first couple of years in high school. Uh, and they know, and so, you, I mean, you had Dominic Wilkins, Clark Clellog out there telling me all these guys was in that, at, at, at this camp down in Millersville, Georgia. And so it evolved actually from that to that, you know, and it's amazing as what they do today to, as you mentioned earlier, Mac, um, you know, from that to my freshman year at UVA till, till Red Arback come and say, and come to the mighty Boston Celtics. Yeah. So within a period of time, the recruiting thing became crazy. Then you had the five-star camps and things start to start to evolve over the years and everybody would go there. You have these exposure camps and all this stuff and people start to get much more wider as far as the coaches and people thought as a business that could be a recruiting service and you can make money off these basketball camps, clinics that you have and have all the best athletes there. And that's what uh, two people did. Uh, one worked for uh, uh, the, the five-star. He built the five-star mm-hmm. uh, camp and um, – you know, everybody maybe thought he was a shyster, but, you know, <laughs> he was what he was. And he had, had the best players, but the crazy part, and I was going to go to that camp one year, and it was outside in, 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 in Pennsylvania. I'm like, outside, because I heard about it. I was outside on asphalt courts, which I played there all the time when I grew up. And then the food was bad, and you slept in bunk beds. I was like, that's not for me. I'm not going to go to all <laughs> that. Well, do you, do you remember – well, first of all, two-part question, your age and your first recruiting letter. I, I, I got my first recruit letter in ninth grade. Ninth grade, okay. Ninth grade. And um, it was locally from, like, like um, Lou Campanelli from JMU. Oh, how about that? Of uh, course. Some local schools, because I, I was just a freshman in high school when I played sure. on the university sure. team. So we were prepared, Coach, Coach Reagan prepared us after the – uh, freshman season because I played up to the varsity team at the end of my freshman uh, junior varsity uh, yeah. uh, career. How about that? And just think today, today you would have been recruited in the sixth grade, you know, sixth, oh, absolutely. seventh grade. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been the an letters. AU circuit, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'd have been six, five in the seventh grade and like, okay, who's this kid coming out this tall and skinny and it'd have been crazy. Yeah. Recruiting has changed. And Jackie Franchuli from 24 seven is our guest today to talk about not only her website, but her, her mission every day is to find out where the kids are going because her readers and listeners they demand it, and she keeps up with all the all the Virginia kids, football, basketball, and, and everything else. So Jackie Franchuli is our guest, and she's next when we come back. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. 
Ralph Sampson's Hall of Fame career, he always believed dedication and teamwork were the two main ingredients for success. Now, with the opening of his restaurant in Charlottesville, the American Tap Room is proving great food can happen in an upscale sports bar atmosphere. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room features local eats, local brews, and traditional favorites like burgers, wings, steaks, and seafood. You'll love the lobster mac and cheese and the Bourbon Street pasta. There's even a Coach Bennett ribeye. The tap room is now open for lunch from 11 to 4, and the staff serves dinner from 4 to 10. Reservations are accepted, and you can book parties up to 150 people. Contact General Manager Martin Welch at 434-422-8093. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room, a hometown bar and grill brought to you by a hometown hero. The one thing about UVA is that they have this ability to be very diverse and defenses have to plan for different scenarios. So there are times you might see three quarterbacks on the field at the exact same time. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome in Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And Ralph, as I said, I... I think it's only fitting that we talk recruiting because it's such a hot button. And I and Jackie, I always like to ask Ralph this, and and we'll bring you in here just saying, Ralph, if if the re- recruiting sites had you on their radar, would you have been a five star? No, I would have been a no star. <laughs> no, you would have had a couple stars, right? Uh, maybe I don't know. I have to look at the uh, kind of system. But all that I wanted to be now coming out is I wanted to be that. Um, is a football player out of Florida where he just got like $11 million in NIL. I just want to be that guy. I just want to be that guy coming out. I don't care what story I am. I just want to be him. Well, we welcome uh, Jackie Franchuli, who does an outstanding job for 24 uh, seven following the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, just part of that network that, uh, that has to, you have to stay on top of recruiting every day. What's your phone bill, Jackie? Is your phone bill? Well, I'm I'm grateful I have unlimited data now. I don't have to pay for individual text message plans anymore. But honestly, most of these kids love direct messaging on Twitter now. So you're you're so they sometimes I start a conversation through DM on Twitter, end it on text message, and then might call them like two days later. So it's an interview can pass three various mediums. It's crazy. Mike, we need to take some lessons from her. We get an interview exactly. from a kid out there yeah. on the Twitter Twix method. Okay, got it. Got that. I need to learn that. Well, for years and years, uh, you know, the Jerry Ratcliffe's of the world and Doug Dowdy's and all those guys who deserve credit. I think Doug might have been one of the first to really like dig into recruiting. And the, mm-hmm. we're talking when I got there in the early 80s and knew Ralph. But it just became a hotbed, didn't it, Jackie? You stepped into it. Of course, Florida and SEC where you were. And now UVA. This is ridiculous what you guys have to do. Yeah, so it it was definitely a different experience coming into recruiting. So I started covering recruiting in 2013 and I was coming from covering, you know, local sports and local news. And to be fair, I had had no knowledge about the recruiting world. I just Mm -hmm. stepped in and then this was 2013 where it's not nearly as crazy as it was now. And I'm thinking, when can I have a day off? (laughs) <laughs> when it when and this is just this is back then where Twitter was not nearly as such a big deal or Instagram wasn't even available back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still sending messages on Facebook. That's how old it was. We're still on messaging on Facebook with teenagers. And I was and I remember I was talking once to my my husband. I was just married that year and we were having dinner. And suddenly I get a text message from a kid's like, I just committed to Virginia. 
I took out my laptop from my purse. I said, I'm sorry, let me, let me connect to the Wi-Fi." And here I am in the middle of dinner, writing a commitment story. Um, I've pulled to the side of the road in I-64 on the emergency lane. So I could, you know, tweet a commitment. It, it's crazy. Um, and it's just gotten crazier every year I've covered it and across conferences. Um, now with, you know, NIL is such a big game changer across the country. You have teams that have different roles because they live in different states. You have California kids that can have, make money from as a high school player. You've got states like Virginia, that's not the case. There's no uniformity. So your you're, you're kind of best bet is where is this school located? What rules is he living by? Um, so that's thrown on your play more so than just geography, which is most of what some of these kids are looking. Is it far away from home? Is it too close to home or close enough? You're kind of looking at that way. And then some of these kids are also, you know, I dreamed of playing for this school, um, but then they don't connect with the staff. So they go somewhere else. So it's, it's a lot, you're reading a lot of tea leaves from these kids. And at the end of the day, these are 16, 17, 18 year old mm -hmm. guys making a very big decision. And, you know, they could change in a week or two, you know, especially now, you know, I'm covering the official visits that they just been happening uh, across the country. And I, there was two kids that I could tell, I swear I knew where they were, they were going to go. And then he took an official visit. And then I was talking to them. He's like, that was nothing like I expected. I don't think I'm going to that school anymore. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and they quickly switched gears. And actually one of them just committed to another school about two days ago. So it's very, it's a very unique job where, where you're connecting to all these guys. And I know I cover Virginia, but covering the, you know, I've known kids for years now. Um, some of these guys I've covered um, since they picked up their offer were, you know, they were freshmen. I know their parents. So sometimes I find myself watching a game on Saturday and I'm like, I remember, you know, Levante Taylor, who ended up going to Florida State from Virginia Beach, and you're rooting for him, Derek Nottie, you know, as well from Virginia Beach, and he's doing well now, too. And you're just saying, I want him to do well, because I've known him for four or five years before he even went to college. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's a neat job because you get to meet a lot of people, but it's definitely stressful, um, especially now with two kids. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> uh, yesterday UVA had two commitments and one of them just happened to be around dinner time, and I'm convincing my two-year-old to eat her broccoli in the middle of interviewing a kid to be like, and you can hear her crying in the background saying no, no, no to the broccoli while I'm interviewing. It's definitely an interesting job. Mac, it must be really cool to have a wife that's a sports junkie, it sounds like, at yeah. the dinner table, and she can just get up and write a story and know where every kid in America is going yeah, uh, and what school they may go to and have the insight and build those relationships with as well, which is pretty crazy. But did the kid that committed to you that you thought was going to go to school and took the visit somewhere else, he, he must have got more money to go to that school or was it a perfect fit to the school he went to? It was uh, actually a new offer for him. Okay. Um, right. He was, uh, it was uh, Armel Mukum. He got a Stanford offer and he was really high in academics. And he just, it was an offer that it was too good to pass up. As soon as that offer came on the table, it was like, this is my dream here. He's from Canada. Um, okay. And uh, he, well, you got you got some schools that, you know, they they want to go to. And as soon as that offer comes, it kind of wipes that slate clean. Gotcha. So, gotcha. yeah, it's uh, you still have that. I think a lot of people like to talk about NIL. But at the end of the day, there are still kids out there who are talking about connections to staffs and talking about my future after football. I think that's that's a big thing that's not discussed as often anymore. A lot of kids are still talking about life after football or life after basketball. 
and not focus on NL as much. They're, they'll be focused on NL once they're at the school. So they still are interested in what the school's plan is as well as far as NIL, but some of them aren't, they're not deciding it based on that. Now, I'm not saying that's in case for everyone, Mm -hmm. but I have seen a big group saying like, yeah, I'll talk about NIL, but first I need to know if this coach will develop me. Um, Are they going to take care of me? You know, I talk to moms all the time. They say, is this a a man that I'll I'll be okay with taking care of my son who's going to be far away from home for the first time? So those are some of the biggest questions I still hear. I think some of the NIL guys he's making big money right now could be a bust when they get to college and never make it to yeah. the pros. And I think there's some kids out there that's going to work their tail off and ride to the occasion and get some NIL deals when they get to college, but then go off and get a, a nice professional contract, possibly. And then there are the other ones just going to go to go, go get a job somewhere and work. You know, just athletes. So I've seen that happen. I don't know what your opinion, but Mike, I think, you know, we, that's the way it could have been or where it's going to be in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I honestly think the NAL market is going to shift in about four years because I, I feel like these boosters, these collectives, all these all these situations that are giving money to these guys once they get on campus or grounds, you're just thinking to yourself, you're, you're banking on these guys playing. So what happens when these guys go in and can't crack the depth chart as you expect or aren't playing as well, but you paid for these guys to come to your school. So I feel like the market is going to adjust itself in about four years because you're, you're thinking to yourself, I, you know, is this, there's not an ever ending cash flow here. You're going to mm-hmm. think, did it, is it worth me paying this money to help? But also these athletes are going to find out, yes, I'm getting this big sum to get to the school, but what's going to happen afterwards? Yes, right. you're going to get this one sum ahead of time, but this other school who might not give you anything might secure your life afterwards and you might be able to make more money for your family afterwards. So that's why I think that's a lot. Everything is so new right now. So I think it will self-adjust itself in about four years. I give it, you know, four years because that's about, that's usually what you say around four years. They either you get the new coach, that's about four years. So I, I think that's what it's going to take. Jackie Ventrilli is our guest from 24-7. It does an outstanding job in following and recruiting. My questions are many. Well, since we're on the topic of nil, Jackie, are you privy to some of that information? And do you know when to report it and when not to report it? I mean, do you hear things that would, for example, I would grow hair if I heard some <laughs> of the stories? <laughs> um, I try. There's a there's a lot of things you do hear. Um, a lot of hearsay and, you know, a lot of there, college coaches love to gossip. And so a lot of people in that that world do love I've tried to establish a lot of trust among that community where I I try not to just because it's juicy. I don't try to report on it. Um, I do know what's going on in a lot of cases. Some things are more open and more public. Um, But I do know a lot of schools are doing it the right way, Um, especially through those collectives. I think that's something that I I do like. I was always a promoter of NIL because I think the, you know, a student athlete should be able to make money off their likeness. I I always think about that UCF kicker that was kicked off the team because he had a successful YouTube page, but I do hear a few things and I go, did I, you know, should I tell my son that he's going to be playing football so that he can get, you know, a three, $4 million deal to (laughs) play for a school? Um, so there are some deals where like, okay, this is getting a little bit crazy. Like the drama that we saw 
I think it was Sunday night between uh, the Gators and the Hurricanes timeline on social media with one agent claiming that a kid was getting you know $9.5 million, turning down an $11 million deal. And then right. both both schools saying, no, we didn't talk to him. And I think that's, that's getting out of hand. Um, and I, I have seen a lot of things. Like, honestly, to be fair, a lot of things was happening before NIL, behind the scenes. Like, you hear stories a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just this is now the dirty laundry is out there in public. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Franchuli for Wahoo's 24-7. And before we get to the recruiting portion of the show, we actually have a special guest. He's a pretty familiar name if you're a Virginia fan. Let's welcome it, Virginia quarterback, Brennan Armstrong. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back, Center Court Winter Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. And so uh, with Jackie Fanciulli of 24-7, the Virginia website that that follows all the recruiting. And uh, she used to be with the Gators as well. Ralph, she worked for Channel 19 for uh, a, a year or so. So, so Jackie, getting back to you make the contacts not only with the parents, and I'll get to that side of it in a minute. Um, but what about, you find the coaches then within the program that you can trust that have said more or less, contact me, I'll let you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll play fair with you. In other words, they, do they want that information out there or are coaches skittish about you coming around or making a phone call? You know, it's honestly, I get both of them during my mm-hmm. course of my career. You get coaches that want to keep everything kind of close to the chest and you got some coaches that are very open about what's going on in your program. Um, it's kind of like who, how their style is, honestly. Um, but uh, with recruiting, you want to have hype around your program and you want to promote these guys coming on, on grounds on campus. Um, this is how you get other guys to be interested in your program. You know, Tony Elliott getting Arch Manning on campus was huge. Arch Manning on grounds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is the, I think that trended for two days. That was (laughs) across several national media outlets. And I've had kids tell me. Did Arch Manning go to Virginia? I think I need to go visit UVA now. It's UVA was not going to get Arch Manning, but Arch Manning coming to grounds to talk to Elliot and see what was going to happen at Virginia and just, just giving them the time of day, which mm-hmm. he didn't give a lot of schools, that is huge. And then having Nicholas Harbor, another very talented athlete from the DC area doing the same thing, that's the type of momentum that you want to make public knowledge because other recruits want to ask these guys, like, why did you go to Virginia and visit? What was it about UVA that made you visit? You know, Tony Bennett does a good job with that too. He's been able to get a lot of good guys on grounds and also establish that relationship. At the end of the day, what Tony Ellis is trying to do is establish relationships. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is getting one or two kids to be like, you know what? Tony Ellis is a pretty cool guy. I don't think he's a right fit for me. I don't think UVA is a right fit for me right now. But I think y'all, the, the younger guys, should really keep UVA in mind. And then that's, that's the whole cycle. That's what what's you, what's you want. And I think a lot of coaches understand that game, the recruiting game. Um, so some coaches are more open or, I guess, more programs are more open to talking about, you know, recruiting. Well, while other, you know, programs may not be, you know, there's, there's definitely programs that like to keep a lot of stuff close to the chest. You can tell by how they have media availabilities. Um, I covered, you know, Jim McAway and Dan Mullen in Florida. Dan Mullen was very open before the 2020 season when we saw the COVID pandemic. He was very open. He had about, I don't know, four or five open practices to the media. Uh, they had open practices to the public. 
And then things shut down after the pandemic and it didn't really open up afterwards um, before he was let go. Jim McElwain was the same thing. We always joked that I knew how each player was stretching. I knew their stretching technique. That's the only thing we're allowed to watch. Um, so you do get, so it kind of depends on, on the coach. Um, but you do, you know, you see these coaches on the road. You know, I, I hit the road during the spring evaluation period so I can see these players and you see these coaches on the road. You, 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 they didn't know who you are, you know who they are. So um, they, they, we, we kind of respect each other and what we're doing. We're, we're talking to the same kids. So, but it really depends on the coaching staff about how open they want to be. Oh, good stuff. But I'm sure coaches then call you and say, what did that kid say? If you got a relationship <laughs> with the coaches and the coach, the kid may say, what did that coach say? But do you see a shift in the last two years? There's been some iconic coaches retire and, uh, you know, Jim Bayham's a little older now, so it'll be some more retiring. So it's a shift in the old style of recruiting to the new style of recruiting. And so you see that shift coming and how they're going to play into the, the scheme of things, because it depends on how you think, or at least I think, with Koshevsky leaving, but he had a whole staff that was doing all the stuff for him. But is it going to be a big change in, uh, in, in the future, near future with the old school coaches leaving and retiring to the new school coaches coming in and taking over? I, I think there is. Um, there's something that, you know, I've, I've talked a lot actually on the site was that I feel like the NCAA needs to really look at the recruiting calendar and make adjustments for the mental health of coaches and their families um, because yeah. of the transfer portal. Because right now they're not only recruiting high school kids, but they're also recruiting college athletes that enter the transfer portal. And there's there's no end in sight. If you look back, they were not only on the road in December trying to you know recruit guys, having official visitors and in January as well, making sure they're all signed by early signing day. But they're also trying to recruit their locker room so they don't go into the transfer right. portal. And then mm. they have this deficit of athletes. Then you're going through spring and then you're doing the same thing over again. So it's this never ending cycle. When do they get a break? You know, generally now is a dead period in July, but obviously, as you can tell, there's still a lot of recruiting movement going on. So that's the one thing that I wish the NCAA would do was establish transfer windows, kind of like the English Premier League style where you have certain open windows of this is when you're allowed to go in and when you're allowed to grab kids and visits and all that. So you have a transfer window from, let's say, the end of the season to the end of January and then possibly another one between the last month after spring games kind of do it that way. So there's not so much going on and maybe get rid of the early signing day period, which I understand originally was a good idea trying to get the athletes securing their spots. But now with all the coaching changes that happen and the coaching carousels, these kids are trying to make decisions in a week or two. You know, I, I remember covering, you know, several recruits after Bronco Mendenhall left they had no idea if the new coach was going to respect their their offer and their commitment because again if a new coach brings a new playing style what Mm -hmm. they're going to do and some of them didn't even get to meet tony elliott in person until january so you got you know delaney crawford never visited virginia before he committed or even when he signed he was taking a lot of big leap of faith that he felt at uva so i think that's where i think those are the big changes because right now i think coaches are getting tired um, it's, it's an easy way to get burnt out. You can see that you see the, some of the coaches by their third or fourth year after like, you know, especially in the sec, I think in the sec, yes, you're going to see it. Um, especially on the basketball side, but the sec, those coaches, if they don't produce within two or three years, they're already on the hot yeah. seat. And you're looking at right now with the Florida staff right now, they haven't even played a game. 
And if you look in social media, they got some some fans calling for his job. Uh-huh. He's even played a game. Um, so, and he's, you know, he's got a recruiting off, like he's got so many people in that recruiting office. And you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, like, what do, what do these college coaches need to do right now to keep up to date with everything? Um, cause you, right now you have to have the a, a greatest photographer for these photo shoots. You got to have a guy on social media. You got to have a great video producer so they can do those video cuts. But those are just for the visits because then you have right. those guys who do social edits. Right, right, okay. So it's so much. And again, there I think there's got to be something where the end has got to hold up. Let's do just the recruiting calendar. That's step one of helping this, this go on. And then narrow down the NIL rules so that everybody is uniform or have a federal law that mm-hmm. gets everyone on the state level have the same NIL laws. So until that's sorted, I can see more coaches getting burnt out from this, even younger coaches as well, because at the end of the day, they also have families back at home that they want to see. Um, so I can see a lot of coaches taking a, some time off as well. Ralph, Jackie knows this. I know Brent Pry of Virginia Tech said the transfer, if a guy transfers in May, it's right. too late for us. Right. We can't, we can't go high school. So now we're back to the transfer portal again, trying to find a, a second tight end. The football coaches are asking for that. And, and Jackie brought up a good point. They're asking for that transfer portal now to have the windows. And uh, the the committee, I think, is supposed to announce sometime in July about that window when you can transfer and when you can't. Yeah, they, they're, they're going to have to do that because it's crazy. I mean, look at, you mentioned uh, Bronco Mendenhall. He quits. Yeah. I mean, now he quits. They still let him coach, you know, a game or whatever. <laughs> he put a coach a game. He invites all the other coaches that he knows to see his team practice. So, these guys are going to transfer. I'm like, okay, you're going to deplete the whole team before a new coach get there. I mean, I don't know what Carla Wynn was doing in that situation, but I would have never let him done that. But think about that kid that's playing. Right. You know, and and, and poor, poor kid is trying to play. Your coach quits, and then you can just go and transfer portal and be free to do what you want to and not knowing where you're going, not know yeah. who your new coach is. I mean, you don't have a clue. So yeah, I put all my eggs in the basket to come to this school, and the school – I think failed uh, in, in that situation personally, but I think they got a great coach in Tony Elliott though. And that brings up another great point on, on Jackie's job. And this is why I admire people like Jackie and Jackie so much. Okay. We're following all this recruiting. We're talking to parents, talking to coaches, we're trying to find out the kids making a visit, this and that. Oh, by the way, there's a coach, there's coaching news. Now oh, there's yeah. all that because your site is responsible for all of that. Right, Jackie? Yeah, yeah, we covered the team, the the daily grind of the team. So when you know fall camp starts, I'll be going. I'll be going to ACC kickoff in July, um, in Charlotte for the media mm-hmm. days there. Um, I cover basketball. Um, I I try to cover the other sports. Um, I actually am a. I love soccer. That's my actually my passion. So if I can, I cover women's and men's soccer in the fall too when I have time. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously want to keep up to date with baseball. So it, it is, it is a lot. So you have to kind of balance your time. Um, we are actually hiring people to come on the site because we want to expand our coverage. Uh, cause right now, obviously I'm tied down where if there's a big recruiting weekend, I have to focus on recruiting. Cause that's our prime go is to cover mm. our fur insider. And that's what people pay for is for the recruiting inside knowledge. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, cause one of the reasons why I became a reporter was I like to tell stories. So that's why I started the podcast. Cause I invite people onto our podcast to tell their stories. Um, I know like coach 2J's daughter, Savannah 2J, I, I welcomed her on the podcast to give us a perspective of what it is to be like coach's daughter. I think that's something that I want fans to see that side of it. I think it's a, often ignored of what the families go through, not just, you know, coaches, families, but parents as well. I invited Armand Franklin's mom to the show as well. 
I think that's a, a key part of the fandom is to realize that these are more than student athletes. These are more than co coaches. Um, so that's what I want to do as well. So it's, it's, so that's what I try to do on the site. Um, because that, I think that's the biggest point. That's, that's the reason why I got into journalism in the first place was to tell stories and to do stories that affect people. That's, that's one of the things I start off in news, but, um, unfortunately news, I didn't feel was a good fit for my personality. I, uh, covered the Jerry Sandusky trial when I was in Pennsylvania and I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't something that I wanted to do on the right, daily life. Right, yeah. So um, that's why I ventured more into sports, but um, yeah, so that's, that's the, the big thing we covered day to day. And when the uh, football season starts, I'll be on the road and I'll be going to a lot of the road games as well this year. I actually had a crystal ball in for Samaj Turner back in April after it looked like it was between UVA and Wake Forest. And it seemed that Virginia edged ahead of Wake Forest in that recruitment. And then Duke came along. Duke did an amazing job during the official visit weekend. I want to stress this enough. It was nothing that Virginia did not do, but it was more what Duke did. Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to center court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome back, Center Court Winter Circle Network. Jackie Fanchuli is our guest uh, from 24 7, uh, does an outstanding job. How are you received by the parents? You know, what I try to do, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to meet the parents because I'm always seeing the kids through DMs. So if their kids get an offer from Virginia, I, I send off a DM saying, Hi, who, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Can we talk for a few minutes? But I always make a point to introduce myself to a parent if I see, I try to go to Friday night games. So I always go to the parent and say, I'm the person that's talking to your son, or if I'm, I'm trying to cover women's basketball to your daughter, um, this is who I am. This is my phone number. Um, if you, if you tell me not to call your son, that's fine with me. If you don't want your son to do interviews, that's fine. If you want me to go through you, that's fine as well. I can always schedule my interviews through you. I always try to make them feel comfortable because mm -hmm. as a parent, I would like people to make, you know, me feel comfortable if they were talking to my kids. Um, so most parents are pretty, you know, pretty welcoming. Um, you know, as a female, I have had some interesting stories with, uh, some males, but it's been mostly nice. And mostly moms are, are great to deal. They're just worried about where their son's going to go. Um, I just make sure they know that their son is well represented in those interviews. Um, you know, these are young men that, you know, I'm not trying to get a controversial gotcha quote. I just want to know what they, what they like about a school. Sure. And I, you know, I make sure the parents see what we write. Um, so they often are very nice and, you know, I'm Instagram friends with several of these moms, <laughs> still. um, you know, and it's actually quite funny. Uh, when I was covering the Gators, I was pregnant twice when I was covering the Gators. So, uh, a lot of the moms during the games would come and, uh, they would, uh, they would make bets if it was a boy or a girl <laughs> and, uh, they often would give me tips. And, uh, actually one mom, she was at the uh, Friday night lights camp that they held in July in Florida. She was like, you hydrate. I was nine months pregnant. I was, my right. son actually was born two <laughs> weeks later. And uh, she was like, here's your Gatorade. <laughs> here's your cracker. So, um, they just yeah. take that, yeah. so they, they become my, they, I always joke. You're like my mom too. My mom is in Canada right now. So far away. So she, uh, so yeah, it's a lot of parents, uh, really receptive to this on, at the end of the day, we just want to get their kids, you know, out there, you know, I've, mm -hmm. there's jokes where, you know, some of these kids I've set up their profiles. Um, so, you know, I always joke with them. It's like, you're, you know, Chris Jones, a linebacker out of Mountain View here in Virginia. He's, he's an incredible player in a 24 class. Um, I joked with him the other day. I was like, 
you've just picked up your Ohio State offer. You're blowing up. Remember, I created your profile back then. <laughs> when you're out there playing the NFL, uh, I put in your first. You had no offers when I created your profile. So, but yeah, most uh, of the parents are pretty open about it. So, so Mike, think, think now, now this resonate on. Think about an interview we had with Jim Gray. Yeah. So she's like the new age Jim Gray. Right. No. Because Jim always had, it might refresh my memory, but he, he did an interview, but he made friends with all of his Mike Tysons and all the people he ever interviewed, Muhammad Ali. He made friends with all these people and they respect him. So he could get an interview at any given time. So you like, but you guys, social media, you got all this other stuff to deal with. So I think about you when you say that, that you resonate with these athletes today because you your personality, you talk to the mom, you talk to the dad, you talk to the coach, you talk to everybody. But that's got to be hard to manage because they got got to have a database. Okay, this person got to talk to the dad only. <laughs> this person got to talk to the mom only. This I have spreadsheets. I have spreadsheets. You have I, to. Yes. I, you know, there's a, there's a calendar I kept, and uh, my my husband used to make fun of me when I first started recruiting. I would write when kids would have exams. I would write, you know, so and so have a geometry test on Thursday. Make sure you reach out to say good luck on your geometry oh, wow, test. Wow, wow. Um, just because again, you the these are you know these are guys that you get to know. Um, sure. You you want to make sure that he knows like I'm not coming after you just because of you're covering from Virginia. You know, I've had kids who tell me they committed to other schools, and I go all right, let's talk about what, how you commitment. And I send those interviews off to whatever publisher. So I tell these guys, I'm like, I don't care where you're going, wherever you feel is right, is right for you. I'm right. there's your decision's not going to affect me. It's going to affect you. Um, so that's usually what I tell these kids. I'm like, just, you know, if you want to tell me you're committing to Rutgers, that's fine. You're committing to Rutgers. Um, it's not, that's great for you. How about, you know, I'll send you to, you know, our Rutgers reporter, if you want to talk to them, or if you want to talk to me, I'll make sure to send the audio over. So, um, so yeah, so it's 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 nice to have that relationship. With you got to have a coaching whiteboard in your office. No I mean, somewhere on the <laughs> wall, right? With all Death the chart, who's where? I mean, you got to, um, Ralph. The other uh, great thing about Jackie too, that you know, balancing being a mom, and you're talking about the dinners, and all of a sudden you got to pull your laptop out, you got to send a DM or whatever it is. Ralph, Jackie's uh, with her two great kids, and with a four-year-old fighting diabetes. And when we had to talk uh, pre-interview, uh, Jackie had a lot of great things to say about her son and how they're they're managing that issue. So Jackie, I'll just, I'll let you talk about that because uh, you really touched me yesterday when you were discussing your son and how you handle uh, his diabetes now. Yeah, so we are in one year into this journey. He was diagnosed when he was three last March. Um, we were, it was, it was, it was surprising. It was shocking because, you know, you have this, three-year-old that has all this energy in the world. And suddenly he stopped being energetic and he lost about five pounds over a weekend. And you're, you're getting really nervous. Like what's going on with him? Um, he was, um, the great staff over at university of Florida hospital helped us. And he was diagnosed with type one diabetes and he's, you know, he's, I, I, I look at him and I'm astonished about how much he has grown and accepted this. You know, I, I've, as an adult, I still don't accept this and mm -hmm. he's accepted it. Um, you know, we're very grateful to technology that's available to us. Like right now, you know, he's at King's Dominion with, uh, our, his, his grandparents and I can actually monitor his blood sugar. So right. I'm, you know, over here and I can monitor his blood sugar right now. <laughs> Does a, it count snow level. cones and, and cotton candy? I mean, <laughs> not quite, not quite, but you know, and it's funny cause my son really loves math. Um, he's four, but he can do a simple addition and simple subtraction. So he sits there with me and we look at the nutrition facts behind cookies wow. or whatever. And we go, okay, this is 15 grams of carbs. So now he's on a pump, which we're really grateful. We don't have to give yes, him eight, yes, nine right. injections. 
So we're, uh, we're on the pump and he's like, okay, he puts in 15 grams of carbs. He puts in his blood sugar. Um, and then, uh, you know, then he can have his cake pop from Starbucks or, you know, his chicken nuggets <laughs> that he loves. So we, we are still learning this, this, this doesn't stop. Uh, it doesn't oh. change. It changes. Like now during the summer, a heat, like he went, I remember taking him to a football camp and he was at 120 beautiful numbers. And I was thinking, oh, this is great. You know, he's going to be fine. He yeah. went high actually. Oh, he went high, all, okay, he went all the way. Yeah, he went all the way high because of adrenaline and the heat. He got him all the oh, way wow, to three, yeah. 350 was his blood sugar in about mm. 20 minutes. It was just crazy. And then our doctors warned us that adrenaline and heat might cause a false high where he is right. high, but it could come crashing down. But he was there for 20 minutes and the parent, like, I don't, and he feels bad. It's like, I don't want him to feel bad. You give him insulin and then crash. Right. Trying to catch it with glucose mm. gels. And, you know, I have, uh, fair life strawberry milk. So I'm like, here's your strawberry milk. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's been a journey and we're grateful of technology and, um, you know, some days it's easier than others, you know, like, like, you know, there's some days where, um, I'm thinking like, what, what is going on? Did the, did the wind blow East and the blood sugar just won't stay? Like right, I, right. there was, there was one day where I just kept giving him insulin. I'm like, why isn't it moving from 200? I don't no. understand. He would have almost no carbs that day. And I'm like, what's going on? And then there are days where I'm like, I just gave him a hundred grams of carbs and it's not moving. What's going on? Right. What's, um, but he's, he's a strong guy. He's, he, he's almost getting to a point where he can finger prick by himself. Although he still has his glucose monitor. You still need to double check sometimes um, when you put in technology. So if it's high, you got to check. If he's low, he's got to check. And then when you put a new one, cause you change it every 10 days. Right. You got to make sure you check it. Um, so he's almost doing it by himself. So, um, so really he's, he's a strong, he's a strong four-year-old, almost mm. five. So we're really, we're proud of how much he's grown. And I know sometimes, I, I think sometimes we look at him and we forget he's only four because right, of how, right, right, right. how mature he is, because sometimes he has a little tantrum and I'm like, why are you having tantrums? Like you're only four. Right. <laughs> He's still four. He's still four. But yeah. 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 So I, 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 Mac knows I, 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 I feel it's not pain, but I feel your, uh, uh, your, your, your path. My daughter, Rachel, has type one. She had it at an early age mm -hmm. and she played tennis. And now she's in her 30s with three lovely kids and doing very well on the uh, pump as well, but eats very clean. And then back when she was diagnosed, Miss America had type one. Mm -hmm. So I hooked up with Miss America. We got whatever. So the synergy was, you know, I could get her to, to, to be 100, 700 like, all the time uh -huh. with a sports diet. I had a nutritionist. I had everything, everything. But I'm going to tell the little girl she can't have McDonald's French fries. You know, yeah. so you did certain things. So no white flour, sugar, salt, and then a very high protein diet. And we worked out fiercely every day. She played tennis. And she was fine for a while mm -hmm. until she ate potatoes or you know, oh, pota the potatoes and pizza are the bane it, of my it's, existence. It's just dangerous. It, 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 it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you can't stop it. And then she goes to Stanford and then 3,000 miles away. I'm like, okay, you're going to Stanford. If something happens to you, then I got uh, 3,000 miles away. So I had Johnny Dawkins with the coach. I had Gary, Gary Rees. Mm -hmm. And cousin, some people around her, they get it done. But uh, you keep going. It, it, it gets better. It does get better. Uh, the technology is amazing now. But there is a cure out there. I've been and reading about all the, the beta cells. The beta cell, the eyelid cells in the pancreas, mm -hmm. it, it's there. I've done research, I've been overseas when she first had it. 
is out there. We just don't have it in this country because it makes too much freaking money. Hmm. Oh, you know, you know, it's crazy to me. So we have the Dexcom and the Omnipod. That's what we have currently. He's too young yeah. to have the looping system yet. So we still have right. to do everything manually. Um, we just switched insurance, which is great. But before we, my previous insurance, every three months, the Dexcom would cost us about $300. And then the Omnipod would cost us $300. That's just the technology every three months. And then mm. you still have to get your insulin. It's um, and then you still have to get backup insulin because what people don't understand is you have a long acting insulin and a short yep, acting right, insulin, right. just in case if the pump goes to failure and then you need to have those in, in your, in your right, right, fridge for right. vials. And it's, and then you've got the testing kits. Cause even though, you know, you got the, if depending on the meter insurance won't cover it, yep, um, yep, we, yep. we really like our meter, um, right now we actually did a test. We got three meters and all three gave us different blood absolutely tests, absolutely um which is crazy um actually one of them got me real good when i was out at uva's camp and uh it was actually 20 lower which you know 50 and 70 that's a big difference 70 is okay 50 yeah. is not right um but yeah it's it's crazy and even like the life-saving nasal spray that we have the back semi without yeah. insurance that can cost 500 dollars, and that's right. something that that's crazy to me where we were able we're we're blessed that we can have insurance that we only had to pay ten dollars for it but without insurance that's 500 dollars. that's life-saving nasal spray so if my son was unconscious or having a seizure that's what would save his life and that's 500 dollars. wow thank you so much um uh, all the best and uh i hope you get a little downtime in july since it is a dead period but have fun at the acc meetings i know those are always good and we'll be reading you and telling people to get to your site. You do an outstanding job. So congratulations and thanks for uh, spending a few minutes. Thanks for having me. Thanks so All much. Right. Jackie Franchuli, 24-7, of course, following the Wahoos. Ralph and I return. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. During Ralph Sampson's Hall of Fame career, he always believed dedication and teamwork were the two main ingredients for success. Now with the opening of his restaurant in Charlottesville, the American Tap Room is proving great food can happen in an upscale sports bar atmosphere. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room features local eats, local brews, and traditional favorites like burgers, wings, steaks, and seafood. You'll love the lobster mac and cheese and the Bourbon Street pasta. There's even a Coach Bennett ribeye. The tap room is now open for lunch from 11 to 4 and the staff serves dinner from 4 to 10. Reservations are accepted, and you can book parties up to 150 people. Contact General Manager Martin Welch at 434-422-8093. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room, a hometown bar and grill, brought to you by a hometown hero. space is such a huge thing now in any sport but especially with me being in football you know you're seeing a lot of big deals out there it's going to help the University of Virginia being able to uh, you know get this deal done um, you know proud about I love what's going on with the deal and I just think it's a good thing overall for myself and for the university. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Thanks to Jackie Fanchuli. Great story about her son. I um, uh, just really enjoyed talking to her. Really, thousands of questions about kids and four stars and, and trying to keep up with it. And uh, Ralph, it's just, I think she does an amazing job. And imagine it's almost a one-man band. She's publisher of 24-7. And uh, she has to do the podcasts and you know keep up with everything else. But talking to the parents and talking to coaches, where's this kid going? What about this kid? 
people now demand it and they expect it. You know, fans want to know if they go to Twitter, they want to know where Ralph Sampson is going to play his, his basketball, you know? Well, Mac, social media has made it much more personal with guys coming out. I mean, think if I had social media when I was in high school, mm-hmm. it was great. But, but, but coaches could come, they could watch it personally and, and meet parents and whatever and, and build relationship with, which was great for the city of Harrisonburg because it brought in hotels, it brought food, it brought stuff to the, to, to the city, you know, in, in the economy world. But the social media, I mean, I mean, Jackie, man, I, I don't know how she does what she does. I mean, yeah. she the technology is great and you got to be checking your phone like constantly and have no really time for yourself. But she can do it from the confines of her home, which is mm-hmm. good. Raise her kids. Okay, great. But still, you got to be on point all day long. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how many, I'll switch gears here. I don't know how many basketball movies have been good, but uh, Ralph and I just saw, not together, but we just saw Hustle, uh, which is on Netflix with Adam Sandler. Uh, was it realistic, Ralph? Did you like Hustle with Adam Sandler? Back there, I, I thought it was as realistic in some ways, especially when I, I kind of jumped out of my seat when the, <laughs> the guy was, uh, he was working the guy out and he was run up hills. Oh, so you run up that hill. That's like a Rocky moment or something. Well, right? exactly. Yeah, and it was no, in no. Philly. So, you know, right. In Philly, run, he couldn't get up the hill. It was like a water, water Rocky moment. Right. And then there was some unreal parts like when he, okay, this is not going to work. He's on the plane. Well, they, they cut it because they didn't know how he got from the plane back to the thing. But they, they didn't need, Adam had to go through security and right. they never started to do that. But, but then all the guys that were in it, they're like, okay, this movie is about like right now with the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. And, you got Doc Rivers and everybody in there. I'm like, how, how do you get all those people in it over this period of time with COVID to make that movie, which what what I thought about. But I thought it was one of the best Adam in the movie and and uh, the other guys in the movie was there, all the NBA players. I thought it was one of his best movies that he's ever done. Yeah, and but the basketball was authentic, wasn't it? It was authentic. It was it, yeah. was, it was great to watch because you had real players, mm-hmm. you had real guys that could play and they understood kind of the roles. It wasn't just a lot of guys off the street that was trying to play basketball. It was real guys that played the NBA. Yeah, it was good. Well, I know you're involved in camp, and so we'll catch up with that uh, next week. And so enjoy your uh, enjoy your time with the kids. And uh, thanks to Jackie Franchuli. She did an outstanding job today. Yeah, so it's camp week, and 4th of July is around the corner. Happy 4th to everybody coming up, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. That's Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winter Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.